Hello, and welcome, oh, as we set up for unfortunately required reading. I know, a very uh, tempting glimmer behind the veil. As you can see, this is the library. It's full of things you probably don't want to read, but you might need to read someday. I think they're fine. We also have the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter. Notice it is blank. Because the true prophecy is within us. Wait, the true prophecy was the journey we took all along? Yeah. Okay. Did we not watch the same thing? I mean, probably not. Okay, fair. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So, I think we're recording. You guys get to watch me have full-on anxiety for the first time ever. I mean. Um, okay. It looks like it's recording. It looks like we're good. Awesome. Um, you do get to watch us eat. Yeah. It'll be kind of awkward for, like, the five of you who are, like, really into that. Yeah, also, a uh, shout-out to our substantial audience in Dublin, Ireland. Thank you, Dublin, Ireland. We're a Thank you. surprised, um, but also not mad at it. So. Yeah, far from mad. I've been saying that I want a Irish or Scottish husband for a while. Maybe the wig will help. Amanda's down. I'm very down. Okay. So, anyway, I like your fans. Oh, thank you. So, if you're wondering, this is not normally what we look like. I mean, I'm guessing you guys Speak for probably yourself. figured that out from the uh, Vlad the Impaler. Like, I don't normally have blonde share hair. Um, that is white. That is not blonde. Okay. So this is like if I was trying to cosplay Galadriel's lame, fatter cousin, I guess. Um, this is the zero fail look from Good Omens. I think we already know what I'm doing. So, anyway, we thought it'd be fun since Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone at a Total Wine was already dressed up. I felt a little inadequate. Oh, is that why they had the sign that said, like, Morticia? Yeah. That none and somebody are inside, or, or like, come, what do they have in common? Yeah, they're all out? trapped inside a total wine, apparently. They all have to work at a total wine today. Yeah. They also had candy, which was lovely. What kind of candy? Like, just Halloween candy. Like, you get trick-or-treat all the tasting barrels. Not trick-or-treat all the tasting barrels. You don't wake up early enough to go with me to total wine. No, I don't. I was one of the first people. I was waiting outside for them to open. Were you like, open, open, open? <laughs> No, that's rude. No, that's, that's, what is that, Marshalls that used to be a thing? It was. Dating myself. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway. Marshalls still exists. It does? Yeah. Maybe it's just the ones in California that closed them. It is California. California. So we do have a secondary, uh, phone in case that one runs out of space. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Then we just have, like, a part two video. Yeah. It's weird to look at something, because normally I'm just staring at the screen going like this. I mean, you usually look at me. As if we didn't need any more allusions to us having some kind of weird romance. As if we needed no uh, further indignation. Or... My Lord. husband is downstairs. That doesn't mean anything. You That's know true. that. All right. So. Welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. You don't mm -hmm. have to look at the camera. I know. It's freaking me out. Don't let what, it freak you out. What are we reading? We are reading Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. <laughs> also, I like keep looking up. The Modern Prometheus. The Modern Prometheus. Yes. Which she published initially anonymously, and then her dad was like, no, 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 no. Several years later, I'm going to republish this, and I'm putting your name on it. She also briefly published under a male name, because women didn't write as good as people thought. Yeah. According, yes. according to all the publishers who were like, this is sweet. You're a sweet baby angel. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah. All right. So what are we drinking? So I found this cocktail on a website. It's called the Mary Shelley, and it is a port and scotch in a shaker. A little scared? 
Ooh. That tastes like Scotland and bad decisions. Yeah. Which I mean. Like I reanimating the dead? Uh... Uh, so there's also some grenadine in here because I found it way too dry. It was very dry. You can garnish it with like an oil, orange peel, not an oil peel. I don't want to know what an oil peel is. I mean, you could, if I really wanted to fire this cocktail, I probably could. I'm like, fire it? What did it do wrong? And then I ha. realized that's not what you meant. It is not what I mean. I think I did an okay job. So now I feel like we should have a chalkboard. We do not. Oh, yeah. Um, get down something to take notes of uh, how many times Victor Frankenstein gets somebody killed. We're neglecting this third star of the show. Is it the cheese the plate? The cheese plate? Yes. So we have a cheese plate. Ooh. On it we have an unaged goat cheese. Which um, initially the notes for this cocktail said an unaged goat and well, I got concerned that we would be sacrificing something. Yeah, goat. when I was looking up, because whenever we do this I'm looking up tasting notes. The one note that said, report, is an unaged goat. And I cackled. That just means an unaged goat cheese. So, chevre and bread. Because unaged goat cheese has the texture of uh, an old person. An old person in a field. Or as my stepchild said, uh, it tastes like bile. Well, I she mean, said it tastes like the stuff that comes up after vomit. but Which I corrected her and said is bile. Because, obviously. <laughs> because of all of, all, all, of all of this. All of this. Yeah. Right. When, when we when we briefly threw around Halloween costumes, I think this was actually low on the list? I don't know. What was our... What were our other costumes? Will and Hannibal. Uh, yeah. Sherlock and Moriarty. And then this one. Oh, well, next year. Next year. Well, so, you know, you're going to have to teach me to do knife cuts if I'm going to be Will. Let's take a knife class. Let's take a knife class. So, ready to short story long? I am ready to short story long. Let's do this. Bear with me. Oh, God. All right. So, if any of you have ever actually read Frankenstein, which I'm hoping you have for this podcast, um, you're going to start it and go, why, why are, are we, we in the Arctic? Why are we in, like, the upper portions of Russia? I have concerns. And you should. Yes. Because if you download the audiobook the same time you download Crime and Punishment, you're going to be really confused. Yep. Anyway, Captain Robert Walton has decided that St. Petersburg isn't far enough. He is going to go all the way on an Arctic adventure. Surprise, this is still Frankenstein. Walton is writing to his sister about all the random adventures he goes on and how he's seeking fame and how, you know, he's going to just go out there and do what he needs to do. And they get stuck in the Arctic like you do. So they're frozen in. And he looks out the side with his men and they see this incredibly huge guy running with a dog sled. Yes. Followed by him is a smaller guy. Looks like he's not doing too hot. Also on a dog sled. Yes. So he ends up coming across Victor Frankenstein, who is very sick. and kind of just crashes it. Crash, party crashes with them on the ship. Yes. So and was manning a dog sled. And was manning a dog sled. So, Walton, not being a total dick, is like, yeah, you can stay, come here, you're not doing too hot, we're stuck anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Victor begins to tell his story, and so Walton is writing all of this down. As you do. Victor is from a wealthy family, and basically has everything he wants since he was a child. 
He takes chemistry. He studies natural wonders. And then his mom drops dead from scarlet fever. As you do. He handles the grief well. Well, no, he <laughs> doesn't. He goes to medical school. Um, and at the University of Ingolstadt to study, he starts burying himself in experiments, usually with body parts. He uses this to kind of deal with his grief, but it's not exactly the best, healthiest way to do it. He ends up making an eight-foot creature. Like, don't make something bigger than yourself, dude. But there's a reason. There is a reason. The creature has watery eyes, really bad yellow skin that's barely over the muscle structure that Victor has created. And Victor basically goes, oh, fuck, when the monster wakes up and pieces out. Mm -hmm. So he runs into his friend Henry as he's leaving, and he's like, no way did I just create a dead monster. Let's go drinking. Mm -hmm. um, the creature ends up escaping, and Victor gets anxiety sick. Now, if you watch The Good Place, think of it like cheating with a stomach ache times a thousand. So he ends up getting nursed back to health by his friend, because his friend is not a shitlord. Woo! After a four-month recovery period, he gets a letter from his dad saying his little brother William has been murdered. He goes back there and finds out that their family servant, who's been there forever, Justine, is the one who's been accused. Yes. It is not good. So here's the thing. Victor basically realizes when he gets there that his brother was killed by the creature that he created. But rather than come forward and have people think that he's crazy, he just goes, it's cool. Yeah. So for those keeping count, we already have one person dead. Moving on. He doesn't say anything. Justine goes to trial, even though Victor's cousin, Elizabeth, who he loves desperately, comes forward and says, I know Justine didn't do this. She's not this kind of person. There's no way she killed anybody. They still let Justine hang. Yeah. Two people. So, Victor's freaking out. He's like, I can't do this. He runs out to the mountains, and the creature catches up to him and says, I'm going to tell you my story and all the reasons why you're a dick. Which is fair. Which is fair. So, we're officially on our third narrator of the book, the creature himself. Yes. The creature talks about how everyone looks at his dead-looking ass and he can't make any friends. I mean, I think we've all been there. Oh, phone storage is full! Do you want to pause really fast? Yes. Okay. Do, do, do. <coughs> but, but. That didn't take long. Nope. Oh my gosh, it's working. Oh, good. Is it working? It is working. It is working. Welcome back to part two, where we've discovered that iPhones have no storage. Well, okay. They do. <laughs> Just not mine. You have thousands of photos on your thing. I have pictures. Of Why don't you just move them to the cloud? I'll figure it out after this. Anyway. This wig and I. Are you enjoying your wig? Kind of. In a weird way. If you like the aesthetic of Professor Snape ate fucking Molly Weasley, sure. So, this is going to be part two video. Yeah. Okay. So... Do you want a split screen so we can see both? Yeah, I do. Do you remember how to split screen? Um, like I taught you? You did teach me. I did teach you. It was something to do with, like, throwing it, right? Well, you don't throw a, a window. Well, I'm not going to throw my computer, but I mean, we could. A little further over. There we go. Kind of. Okay, there. Yeah! Ah, okay. She did it. I'm so proud. I'm doing things. All right. So. Back to it. Where we've started is the uh, creature is now telling his own story. Yes, lovely. So the creature 
says that everyone's afraid of him because he looks dead. And I mean, that's kind of fair. Yep. So he's been hiding out in an abandoned structure connected to this cottage where a poor family starts hanging out. And he's collecting firewood for them and taking care of them. And he's observing them. So what he does is he finds a stack of books, teaches himself to read. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, then he starts listening to one of the people in the house teach somebody from another country how to speak English. Mm-hmm. So he's got this really weird version of Duolingo that he's learning. Um, he ends up approaching the poor family and befriending the dad because the dad is blind. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this doesn't go great because the kids come home and they freak out and they run out of the house and then give the property back. Yeah. So we're, we're good. We're going to move. So the creature is really upset because, you know, he thought he had friends and now he's been abandoned again. Um, and he goes, okay, so I have all this paperwork left over from my creator. I'm going to find him. And he finds out all about Victor and where he's from and what he's doing from this whole collection of journal notes and entries. So he goes to where Victor is from um, and kills his brother. Yes. He, uh, he runs across this kid. This kid's really willing to show him everywhere around. And then he goes, oh, yeah, you know, I'm so-and-so Frankenstein, William Frankenstein. And he goes, oh, you're my creator's family. I'm going to kill you. Um, but then he sets it up so it looks like Justine killed him because there's like a little brooch mm-hmm. thing and leaves it there. So instead he goes, you know what? I'm going to find my creator. Now that I've wrecked enough havoc to cause some problems, I'm going to make him create a creature like me so I'm not alone. A lady monster. A lady monster. Um, then he tells Victor, if you don't create this, I'm going to kill everyone you care about. Have the capabilities. Yeah. So Victor takes the story back over here and starts talking about how he told his dad he has to travel. Yes. And that he's going to go work elsewhere with his friend. Yes. And instead he goes to Orkney, which is a series of islands up at the top of Scotland. And goes to one island that's mostly abandoned and says, hey, I'm going to rent this cottage. It's falling apart. That's fine. It's cool. Just fix the door. We're good. Mm -hmm. Um, And he starts working on this creature. So he's almost done. And he starts having this huge crisis of conscience about, oh, my gosh, what if they create monster babies? Yes. What if I bring the end of the world about? So he destroys the female creature just as the other creature shows up. Yeah. Which, Which is a really well. unfounded fear, because like, realistically they wouldn't be able to. They wouldn't be able to. Yeah. I mean, at that point in time, and when Mary Shelley was writing it, she had no concept of... Nobody had any real concept of how the uterus worked after death, if at all. Which it doesn't. I think they did. <laughs> well, yeah, because you get that with like Bram Stoker and like vampire progeny. Yeah, but that was through blood. Yeah, like disease. you steal the children. You steal them. It's fine. Uh, the creature goes, all right, no big deal. I'll see you on your wedding night. So Victor bails out, takes the body parts with him, puts them in a basket with some stones in it, and goes to throw it overboard of the Mm. ship. He gets caught in a storm, and his ship ends up in this port in Ireland, which is great, except that when he lands there, somebody's been recently murdered, and so they all assume Victor did it, because he was out on a boat, and this person came from a boat and found their body. So he ends up going to jail, having a complete breakdown again, having to be nursed back to health, and then having um, everybody go, well, you know who died, right? Show him the body. Mm -hmm. And it's his friend, Henry. So that's not great. No, it's not. Bonus surprise death. What are we at? Three? 
officially. That's what the notes say. If we're if we're not counting, I don't think he had to kill the women parts to make the creature. Okay, fair still. Officially three. three. Um. So Victor, when he's in his breakdown in jail, his dad comes to see him and is like, "It's okay, we're gonna figure this out." Victor is found innocent of the murder because he really couldn't have been there, and he goes back home to where he basically says, okay, our whole lives I was supposed to marry Elizabeth, so we're going to get married. Mm -hmm. They go to get married, and true to his word, the creature shows up on their wedding night and doesn't kill Victor, who's sitting up all night with a gun. He kills Elizabeth. Yes. Which, we're now at four? Yes. Victor's dad has a small breakdown over this and dies, so we're at five. Um, that's not creature related. That's not really creature related. That's emotionally created. It's kind of like uh, Lucy Westerner's mom dying from her heart disorder. Yeah. She got a little scared. Um, so Victor ends up going, okay, well, I've got nothing left. I'm going to chase this creature. And he chases him to the North Pole, where we end up with Walton, who says, okay, um, that's a really interesting story. I'm going to write this down. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Frankenstein's like, let me edit it for you. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. That was interesting. You're right. So, Victor dies from exhaustion, and then the creature shows up on the ship and says, this is my creator, I'm going to go into the, uh, the wild and kill myself. Mm -hmm. And then the ship gets out of its little hold, and they go back, because Walton's like, forget this, I don't need to be famous. True. And. And. It's awkward. It's not that awkward, is it? I like, keep looking up, I'm like. All right. There are a lot of themes. There's a lot of history. There's a lot to get into, so we're going to go into that. Yeah, I think we'd be we'd be wrong to not start with Prometheus, honestly. So, Prometheus is the is it recording. I think it is. Did it move to video and it's still Oh, recording. it's still doing. Okay. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Don't apologize. Uh so Prometheus is the subheading of the work. And the legend of Prometheus goes basically Prometheus is a titan, and he has fire. Fire is great. He wants to give humans fire, but Zeus is like, that's a bad idea. So Prometheus is like, you know what? Screw it. Let's give humans fire. Zeus is like, I hate that idea. You're not punished. So Prometheus stays in Tartarus, uh, chained to a rock where an eagle has to peck out his liver every day, which is a lot. So... The capital R romantics of this time really liked Prometheus because it's like, oh, look at this guy who's bringing humans knowledge and stuff. That's really, really cool. That's awesome. We should do that. But most people kind of write as like, this is bad and cautionary. So, eh. I mean, at that time period, they were very much about the what can we find out. Uh, Mary Shelley's husband actually got kicked out of Oxford for writing <clears throat> a paper about how atheism was important. Yeah, um... A contemporary called uh, Percy Shelley and Lord Byron from the Satanic School of Romanticism. I don't know that they could be devout anything, though. Well, but they had a boner for Milton as well. That's true. But to be fair, a lot of people had a boner for Milton. The creature has a boner for Milton. Yeah. He reads Plutarch's Lives in Paradise Lost, which, you know, is important. Which is kind of surprising. I'm like, couldn't get something a little easier? I mean... I can't imagine trying to learn to read from Paradise Lost. I mean, there was no, like, if you give a mouse a cookie back then. That's fair. What, what was the easier book? The Bible? <laughs> exactly. Did you have the primers with, like, the A, B, C, D? I guess. 
Lord, why? So yeah, that's the Prometheus. Goblins had a library. True. Okay. So anyway. That's Prometheus. Uh, I would not like an eagle pecking at my liver. No, especially if your liver grew back every day and you didn't get that sweet, sweet release of death. Yeah, that all. I, I think that was always the part for me that scared me. Was my liver growing back? Which I know a lot of people who wish their liver would grow back now, but it, not. Hello. Hi. <laughs> my phone likes to do things when it feels like it. It's like hello. I mean, technically, the liver is one of the only organs that does regenerate. So. That's really loud. That's not where your liver is. This is right in here. I thought. No. Over here. That's. Ma'am! Isn't it, like, over a bunch of your organs? Yeah, but, like, further back. Further back. Okay. You were, like, at high. You were I did not take anatomy. I know where my heart is. Okay. That's great. I Okay. I don't want to be the Victor Frankenstein. I don't want to be. Well, I think it's really interesting, too, because now we use it as this mad scientist trope, but yeah. scientist wasn't even a term until, like, the late... I have it noted somewhere. Bessie, didn't this give rise to the term scientist? Somewhat. Um, it didn't really become a thing until um, 1833, and it was first published in 1818. Yeah, like, this gave us the word scientist. Well, no, scientist wasn't even used in this book. Well, it gave us the idea. So, I mean, you had this, you had uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you had yes. all these things where people started to go, is science dangerous? Because yeah. a lot of what they had was, you know, this fear of reanimation, which was really a discussion of Things like galvanism, where they would apply electricity. To oh, we're going to talk about galvanism. Don't but, worry. But yeah, I mean, everybody still had this kind of concept of the sphere of death mm -hmm. um, because life was brutal, nasty, and short to coin something else. But also race. really inconvenient. Super inconvenient. Death is so inconvenient. So you have this combination of fear of death. You have this emerging area of science where people are mm -hmm. just starting to learn about things you have had the enlightenment mm -hmm. so there's this whole kind of concept of is science moral yeah is reaching out to expand our choices moral are we playing god yeah there's there's really something to that because at that time these scientists really were doing some revolutionary things so there was a lot of concern that they were going too far and realistically, they probably did. Like, we'll talk about galvanism. So they probably did go too far. But really, the romantics, capital R romantics, really liked it. Because it fed this idea of, like, human endeavor and stuff. Well, this was also the era of body snatching. Yes. This was the era of you only got a certain number of corpses per year based on the who had been executed. And then you had people who would go about dig up bodies and sell them back. And yeah. You had Burke and Hare who started killing people because it was easier than digging up a body. Accurate. So when Mary Shelley lived in Scotland, she would have seen some of this probably in the news. Probably. So should we talk about being rejected by your parents? <clears throat> yeah. So Mary Shelley has a bit of a thing with parenthood. Uh, her mother died 11 days after giving birth to her. Uh, she also suffered the loss of a child. So there's this whole weird relationship to parenthood. Oh, and her dad kicked her out, too, after she started having an affair with Shelly. I mean, to be fair. But there's a lot to be fair. Yeah, to it was not a wise choice. Yeah, to be fair. So this idea that Victor makes this creature, he uh, creates life by ignoring the usual 
clothings and then rejects it, that's probably the strongest moral statement in the book that you're not supposed to do it this way, that you should create life the normal way, which is, I guess, missionary with the lights off. I mean, close your eyes and think of England. Yes. Yes. So yeah, you will see that theme again and again, rejection and isolationism. You're going to see that a lot, honestly. So you have notes in here about the glorification of the male form. Yeah. Uh, Victor really does try to make like a ubermensch kind of, but he isn't making a monster. So there's kind of a, that would be what one would consider a theme. So he didn't make Rocky from Rocky Horror? No, uh, no gold little bikini bottoms? No, no, no. I mean, could there be, though? I, I mean, mean, I think it would kind of offset that yellow skin, though. Yeah, it would. So there's this weird inversion of the glorification of the male form, but also the way Victor talks about it, like, while he's doing surgery and stuff, is, like, kind of gross and sexual. I like it, but it's gross and sexual. He's making a man with blonde hair and a tan. Sorry, not sure. Sure. No, it's always the season for That's like there's not really a season. I mean if you're always, gay enough, there's not a season. It's always time for Tim Curry, right? Mm. Alright. Theoretical readings. There are a lot of theoretical readings for Yeah, this. I even left out the feminist reading, which I mentioned with the whole like having children without the woman part. And honestly, Victor seems to not like women very much. Ooh, which is interesting. Is it? Because it was written by a woman. That doesn't Women cannot like women. I mean, she did have to deal with her sister, Claire Claremont, a fair bit. Yeah, like, women cannot like women. Like, honestly, men don't write women well, but women also don't write women well. That's, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. But there is this really, really fun uh, queer reading to it about going through all the trouble of making yourself a man. Because realistically, wouldn't you first make a woman? Why would you make a man first? I mean, technically in the Bible, God made a man first. Yeah, technically, but then he immediately followed it up with someone else. Victor, because of, like, repulsion, kind of stopped there. So there is this, like, interesting, like, sexuality metaphor to it that I just kind of like. There were no monster babies. There could have been monster babies. There really couldn't have been no, monster babies. No, you'd have to, like, make them from scratch, and that's a lot of work. I mean, if we're making homunculi, like, there's better uses. So I quite like the queer reading. It's also very, very popular on the internet. Yeah, so if you look it up, you can find it. There is so much smutty fanfic of Victor just being a hungry twink going after this giant monster. For real? Yes. Wait, doesn't that kind of like go into incest a little bit too, since he did create him? No. It's more of a self-cest almost. It's weird. I can provide links if you guys would like. Amanda, our smut link champion. I mean, am I not reviewing Curvy? Thank you. Okay, so there's a lot of historical influences for this that would have been in Mary Shelley's mind at the time. Yeah, so let's actually talk about galvanism. Uh, Galvini, who starts with galvanism, was insane. And basically decided that we can use electricity to animate bodies. That works in theory. The implications of that no one thought through. So one of the first humans he wanted to bring back was a murderer. Which is not a great plan. Yeah, because double jeopardy is a thing. So he didn't, well, no, he did get his murderer. 
And he did succeed in moving some of the body. The guy did stay dead, though. Didn't they have... Wasn't he, like, on the uh, scaffolding for a long time? And they, like, did some other stuff, too, before Yeah, they, they like, super made sure he was dead and not coming back. So, it, galvanism works by uh, using electricity to stimulate muscles. Because electricity is what moves and powers our muscles. So, it can give you a small contraction of the muscle... But it's not going to, like, fully reanimate. Almost never. Now, if you've seen someone, like, shock back to life, that's using similar galvanic principles. But that has to be in such super specific conditions. And it's not always successful. No, it's, it's actually not successful Because it's supposed to stimulate the cardiac muscle. But. Yeah. And honestly, most of the electricity he was using is probably too much, which is fry tissue. So, that's galvanism. It's insane. And, uh... Plus, when you're using it on, like, frog tissue, the legs are going to jump real far, real fast. Um, probably not so much with a human being. I mean, like, if you if you read contemporary accounts of what happened during Galvini's little thing, he got some good movement out of that body, but not reanimation movement. Yeah, if your brain is dead for, what, more than ten minutes, you're probably not coming back? Right. Or did I take that from um, sleepers? Not I sleepers. mean, you probably... That guy wasn't coming back. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. He, was, he was dead. Yep. We've already talked a little bit about medical schools, resurrection men, um, grave robbing. Lots of grave robbing at this time. Yeah. Because, I mean, you weren't making very much money working a steady job. No. And it was just there. They weren't using it. True. Which is really funny when you hear people kind of talk about the same thing with organ donation now. Where they're like, oh, I don't want anybody stealing my organs and selling them on the black market. Pro tip, that doesn't happen here. No. That happens in India. Uh, uh. Um, but that's because they tell women that they're going to, you know, give them $6,000 for their kidney. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's also, like, that's, that's, that's tricky colonialist language. Because it happens, it happens everywhere. Yeah. We, we tend to sensationalize it when it happens in other countries. I'm just saying it's probably not <laughs> going to happen if you have an organ donation card. They're going to make sure that you are really, truly dead. Yes, that's true. I know a lot of nurses. Yes, that is true. All right. Tell us about the end of Romanticism. So we talked a little bit about the capital R Romantics, and uh, this was during that time period. Romanticism as a notion really focuses on, like, the sublime and human endeavors and terror and awe. Uh, like I said, Percy Shelley was a romantic. Byron was a romantic. This book comes out right towards the end of it because we have, like, science and stuff that creates, like, a new awe and a new shock. So, really, you can read this as, like, one of the last great romantic novels, which is fascinating to me. That you still get a little bit of that, like, oh, look at how cool nature is, but also, like, gah, scary monster man. I know Mary Shelley was very into ghost stories, which was something that her dad didn't want her to be into. Yes. All right. So, we do have a lot of questions from listeners. A handful of questions from listeners, which is awesome. We do. So, the first question... Is Frankenstein even relevant anymore, given today's scientific and morally ambiguous environment? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, there's, whenever we talk about, like, GMO stuff, which I think is hilarious, uh, people's fear of chemicals and things like that, we still have allegories to this, and it's, just, it's stupid. A lot of it's rooted in stupidity, honestly. Uh, Hank Green has a great shirt that says, everything is chemicals, which is true. Like, our whole, like, it must be organic. Like, it's rooted in ignorance. Genetically modified doesn't mean evil. And it's one of the reasons that a lot of this, the scientific community does have a 
you know, a lot of ethical principles at this point in time where they are very focused on, okay, what is the possible outcome of this? What are we looking at here before they move forward with something? Yeah, Last Week Tonight has a great episode on that. So, and the morally ambiguous environment, I don't really think we're that morally ambiguous. Like, I think it's just more obvious now because we have things like social media. We have a 24-hour news cycle. We see how people misbehave more regularly than we would if we lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere. Right. If anything, I think we're more morally outraged now. We're just quiet about it in weird ways. So, yeah, I do feel like it's relevant. I think kids should still read this. But I think you need to think about why you're reading it. Right. And I do think the way this is written, it can be really hard for younger folks to handle because it's, you know, just the language and a lot of it's not as easily as accessible. The themes are still very accessible. And I think if you have a solid teacher, if you have somebody who's willing to explain it to you, then you are just fine. There was a kid's illustrated version that I read when I was a kid that I liked a lot. We also have, do you think modern science, current practices, and exploration areas have ignored the parable that is Frankenstein? Do you see the human race violating God, quote, with the areas that we're trying to explore or invest in? So weirdly enough, I kind of do. And like that weird Catholic part of me does worry about that kind of stuff. Like a, that whole sort of like China being able to like clone dogs. That made me anxious for like a lot of reasons. Like, I'm sorry your beagle died. That dog needs to stay dead. Like, we need to stop. Did you freak out about Dolly the Sheep? No! Because that was a sheep. Dolly the Sheep is actually really cool. If you go to Edinburgh, they have a science museum and it's preserved. Yeah, but like, so do I think that science has gone too far sometimes? Sure. But. I mean, I also then trust that scientists aren't going mad and making weird uh, monster fuck robot things. I mean, there are real dolls. Yeah, but, like, that's mostly... Okay, so one of the jobs that I would love in the future is being, like, an eternity for, like, AI sex robots. Because, so here's the thing, like, if you program a robot to not consent, is it still a crime? That's a fair question. I Thank you! Like, you looked at me like I was crazy for a second, but, like... Where are we going with this? But, like, that's, like, one of the things, like, the morality of, like, sex and robots is, like, a thing that I'm very into. Well, a lot of um, where we see cases, like, with Monsanto and stuff like that, where they're stepping over their boundaries, it's capitalism. Yeah, so, like, where science usually goes wrong is capitalism. How much money can you make off this? Uh, there were no flipper babies. There were a few flipper babies. Yeah, so... You're right. Like, where we see science gone wry is usually money, but, like, scientists, like, in a pure scientific environment, I don't have a lot of worries. And I feel like science also helps us find some solutions to things that really we shouldn't be dying over. Uh, One of the really interesting things, if you look at the Flint, Michigan water crisis, it was a doctor who figured out that kids were getting lead poisoning. Right. And it was because of the switch that they made to save money mm-hmm. from where they were previously getting water to a new source that had was breaking down the lead piping. Right. So again, it comes back to money, but we do have scientists that are stepping in going, you shouldn't die from this. Well, that was also a lot of racism. Oh, tons of racism. That was also a lot of uh, no one cares about black people. I mean, should we have like gotten out the bingo cards? Cause I feel like, yeah, for real. Um, like that's also a lot of a, uh, no one cares about black people. So, This one I see, too, a lot. Is the creature worthy of sympathy, or is he using his existence to justify his serial killer nature? Uh, so, 
Percy Shelley says something about this when he read the book, where he says that the monster is damned a circumstance that created in him a hideous uh, misanthropy and revenge. Well, Percy Shelley also was trying to justify his existence nine times out of ten constantly. Okay, look. You can go over your eight voter with Percy Shelley in a minute. All right. But, like, okay, that is, like, a big nature versus nurture question. Would he have been a monster if he just kept reading, like, Plutarch's lives? I mean, technically, yeah, but that doesn't have... I don't know. It's It makes me feel uncomfortable as a question. There's a lot to unpack with this. Um, I do feel like your experiences do shape you, but I do feel like jumping in and being like, oh, I'm a serial killer because my life was hard. Like, that's... So, like, I actually had a really interesting conversation on, like, what the media does, like, portrayals of violence. Mostly because I was watching Law & Order. Because there was a Law & Order episode where, like, an, a slightly older kid, like, rapes a bunch of his, like, classmates. Oh. And he's like, well, I saw, like, a movie. And I know what movie you saw, but he's talking about the Shawshank Redemption. And he's like, yeah, the guy in prison, he had sex with all these people, and no one made fun of him. And it's like, okay, kid! So, like, the argument was that this kid was legally insane because media told him to be a rapist, basically. And it's like, that's such a gross argument, because, like, technically, yeah, the way that movie frames sex and sexual violence is a problem. But also, where were your parents? And something I've seen, too, is I've known quite a few folks who have been physically or sexually abused. And they're normal, cool people. They've worked hey. through their shit. They've done what they need to do. They're living in existence, and they don't go out and stab people. Yeah. And then you have people like Charles Manson, whose mother was a prostitute and kind of ignored him in his like family made him dress up like a woman and they're like, Oh, well I can I can truly see he had a hard life. It's like So you get to be a cult leader? But I mean, but then you get like oh Eileen Warnos, who was abused. That is true. I so like I, I think it depends on where you sit on it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, your background can make you monstrous. But I do think that does come down to individual what you do with that. I just write really gross fan fiction. And wear wigs. Amanda had to do my wig for me because I kept screwing it up. I mean, you weren't screwing it up. I can just do it better. <laughs> I can just, I can just do it better. Okay. Notes on the text. Yeah. I mean, realistically, this is the first work of science fiction. Let's just be honest. Also, one of the greatest horror novels. It's just, it's so important you guys and it's gothic and it's weird it's romantic i love it so if you get a chance there's a book called monster she wrote and it's about women in horror and science fiction yes and it is incredible um they start with you know influences that would have influenced mary shelley mary shelley really does bring us to that first science fiction book mm. um because it's science fiction and fact together and it's just her mind went a whole new place. Yes. Um, what's really fascinating about this is that it's not just the book that has become mythical. It is the circumstances of how it was written. Which is one of my favorite things. It's like, if you take an English course in college and they're talking about Mary Shelley, they tell you about the party. Yeah. Uh, so the legend of how Frankenstein came to be. So Mary Shelley, who was not Shelley at the time, she was uh, still married once to Crap Godwin. Yes. Uh, Percy Shelley, who was an asshole. Sure. Uh, Lord Byron. Yes, that Lord Byron. That asshole. 
and Claire Claremont, <clears throat> who was Mary's stepsister. And John Polidori, who was Byron's doctor. Yeah, who wrote The Vampire, which Stoker also stole from. Mm-hmm. Which um, Byron's name got posted to. Yeah, so Stoker is just a thief. Cool. Uh, they all are like, let's go uh, do a bunch of drugs in Geneva. Mm-hmm. Where is the lie? Well, they get to Geneva and it rains. And it rains a lot. A lot. Because it wasn't this called the uh, there wasn't the era where there was no summer or something like that. Yeah, uh, a volcano erupted and there was it, it's it's a whole thing. And so there was a lot of rain. Yeah, like torrential rain. It's like let's all write, let's do a nano Yeah, basically, <laughs> let's all write a thing. Uh, so Percy Shelley and Laura Byron wrote some poems that are probably gross and sexist. Why? Where is it? Uh, Claire Claremont did some stuff. Uh, the doctor wrote The Vampire, and Mary, in like a night or two, wrote Frankenstein, and she was 18, and I hate that. If I hate, I mean I love it, but like, I hate it. So, the rumor is that she had this dream, like, she had already lost her first child with Percy, who, in all defense, they did kind of have to move in the middle of the night, the night during a rainstorm, right after the kid was born. Yeah. So... But uh, Mary had this dream that she saw a man performing these experiments, and she had been to all sorts of things where they had um, done like science lectures that showed galvanism and things like that. And so she had this just vision of this man working on a body and the body coming to life. Yes. It's like, oh my gosh. And I mean, she'd had many dreams about her child coming back to life and things like that. Yeah, and it had only been cold, and she rubbed it against the fire, and it came back to life. Like, thank you. Really, really hard. So a lot of, well, you see a lot of that too in, you know, the way Victor is handling death, which is not, not well, um, not good. And so she ends up writing this story and it becomes so much more than what it was intended. Yeah. So that's the legend. It's great. Uh, they, I think they do sell a lot of drugs. There are some questions of whether or not there was an orgy. Depends on which uh, English major you're who's, learning from. Who has... Who has proposed that? A lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah, I think Drunk History said that, too. Yeah, Drunk History. Their their episode on Frankenstein is amazing. We'll probably link it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, That's the legend. Yeah. So there is actually a movie that just came out in 2018 about Mary Shelley, where Mm -hmm. they feature... (coughs) Sorry. uh, Percy Shelley getting out of the carriage and Lord Byron coming up and just grabbing his face and kissing him. And I was like... I mean, probably fair. Yeah, that sounds pretty on the nose. I can't try not to cough anymore. What do you think I've been doing this entire podcast? So, Mary Shelley's got a pretty rich history. We've kind of alluded to some of this. The daughter of Mary Wollstonecraft. Can we start there? Yes. So, yes, daughter of Mary Wollstonecraft, who was a big-time feminist at the time. We're talking, like, late 1700s. We're not talking, like, 1960s. <laughs> the feminism took her. The feminism took her. So, Mary Shelley was born on August 30th, 1797. Mm-hmm. Died February 1st, 1851. Her mother is the one who wrote Medications of the Rights of Women. Which is very good, and you should read it. It is really good, and it's surprisingly accessible for a modern read. So, I have it on my phone right now. Yes. Um, her dad, William Godwin, was like the original anarchist. So, people kind of hung out with them and they're like, yeah, you guys have great ideas. You're amazing. They ended up pissing off their friends because they got married. Yes. And that was just to legitimize Mary. 
um, they still lived in separate houses because, I mean, that's an awesome idea. You're like next door to each other. You're like, I'll see you at dinner. Yeah. I'm going to do things I want to do. Um, <clears throat> so they were married. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, at this time, medicine wasn't where it is today. <laughs> I mean, medicine technically today isn't where it was 20 years ago, which was We'll go into that in a minute. I mean, do you want to talk about the mortality crisis of Oh, black the fact mothers? the fact that right now white women are 50% more likely to die in childbirth than their moms were, and if you're a woman of color that goes up like 3 fourths. Yeah. So, so We did it, guys. Everything's Yay. worse somehow. Welcome to the US. Um anyway, um, and then I'm going to get murdered. Anyway. Um, by who? I don't know. There are people who probably want to dox me. Um, so Mary Shelley's mom died, as we said, 11 days, likely due to sepsis because her doctor probably didn't wash his hands. Um, Mary learned how to read and write from her dad and also from the fact that her dad had her trace the letters on her mom's tombstone. I don't like that. Like you do. I don't like that. Uh, Mary spent a lot of time at her mom's tombstone. That's kind of where she hung out and just went to go think, which like original goth girl, I'm there for it. Um, She had a half sister. Godwin was very big on the free love principle. So he had another daughter roughly about the same time that Mary was born. Mm -hmm. uh, Claire Claremont, who lived with the family as well. Um, there was a lot of weirdness other than the fact that Godwin was very big on the girls getting an education. Yes. He wanted to make sure that they had the same access to education um, that men would, but just back off a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, he didn't want to make it too difficult for them. Um, which is crazy. He ended up remarrying to a woman that absolutely hated her stepdaughters. Had more kids. Um, Godwin was not great with money, and they were broke a lot, but they were usually able to find loopholes legally to stay where they needed to stay, and he ended up getting this young gentleman from a wealthy family who was going to be his protege named Percy Bysshe Shelley. Um, Shelley was, like I said, from a very wealthy family. He got kicked out of Oxford for writing about atheism. Yes, he did. Um, He was, by all accounts, kind of a dick. Mm. I know we disagree. I it's not that I don't think that he was a dick. I just think that like I think that you ride him a little bit too hard. Like I think he's by the standards of that time, he's okay. So he was like Lord Byron, but back it off a little bit. Right. Like I'm not (laughs) saying I'm not gonna say he was a good person. I'm just saying, like, for the time, sure. Well, Godwin also was very attracted to Percy Shelley's it wasn't necessarily like, a, well, I mean, he was a good writer, but he was, he was like, hey, uh, you come from a family, could you help me out a little bit? So consider him, Godwin super surprised when Mary Shelley's like, or Mary Godwin is like, I'm going to run off with this guy. I know I'm 16. I know he's already married and has a kid, but it's fine, you know, because we're living by your, your mom's principles. Mm-hmm. That didn't go over well. I mean, it went okay for them. Um, they got cut off by both of their families, and mm. so went on this 
weird whirlwind tour of Europe uh, where Mary may have seen Frankenstein's castle. Probably did. Probably didn't. Probably did. Probably did. Uh, may or may not have toured it, but that name would have stuck in her head. Yes. And that is a real place. It is a real place. Um, so Percy Shelley and, and Mary were super scandalous. They took Claire Claremont with them because she's like, I don't want to stay with our stepmom. She's a bitch. Right. Um, and they ended up, you know, probably all sleeping together at some point in time. Uh, Mary got pregnant. They had their daughter. Their daughter did not survive. Yes. Um, they had to move all the time. Um, Percy had creditors after him constantly. Mm-hmm. Mary would have to do things to try and make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they ended up going to Geneva. Yeah. Uh, Shelley's wife, Harriet, killed herself. And their unborn child. And their unborn child. because She was pregnant, probably with Shelley's baby. Yep. I mean, I didn't say he wasn't... This isn't a Tom Buchanan scenario. I just think that, like, for the time, yeah, whatever. I didn't say he was a hero. So, he did love Mary. Mary yeah. He loved him. They just have different concepts of how their marriage was going to go, because they ended up getting married after the death. Um, Percy Shelley went on his magical mystery tour with one of his friends on a boat. Yes, he did. And there was a storm and they died. They did. And nobody found the bodies for a few days. This is true. They washed up on shore. Yes. And Percy's friends were like, all right, well, we're going to cremate him. Or a Viking funeral. Yeah. Those were the words. <clears throat> but his heart survived because it was very calcified. Yeah. Right? Which is weird for 29. Uh, He probably had like a genetic thing. So they brought the heart back to Mary Shelley, who kept it in a desk. Yes. And they found it wrapped in paper after she died. Yes. Which is really sad. So she's I think for it's real, of, like the original goth girl. I kind of dig it. I think it's kind of romantic. So Mary got no credit for editing her husband's work. Eh. Um, everybody thought when the book first, Frankenstein first came out, that Shelley had written it. Mm-hmm. Um, that got clarified shortly after and then i want to say it was like a decade or so later uh william godwin paid for the book to be republished with mary's name on the cover yes it was originally published anonymously with an intro by shelley um towards the end of her life mary unfortunately mostly wrote just to pay the bills yeah um her health was not awesome she ended up dying of a brain tumor when she was 53 why did they all die of like really sad things I mean, what did you want? For her to be 105 and pass away quietly at her desk? Yes. Okay. Anyway. This is an old yeller. Calm down. <laughs> did we have to read this in school? No, but I really wish I had. Um, I did read it, I want to say, like, freshman year of college for fun. Yeah. Also, no, but I read it for fun. I read an illustrated version when I was a kid, and then the real thing probably in high school. All right resources there's a lot of resources there is an incredible book called making the monster the science behind mary shelley's frankenstein by katherine harka mm-hmm. definitely recommend it because it is part biography but it's also a lot about the science yes so if you're looking for the influences and things like that more galvanism so much galvanism um romantic outlaws the extraordinary lives of mary wollstonecraft and mary shelley 
by Charlotte Gordon is incredible if you want to know about her mom and her. Yes. And a lot of the parallels that their lives had. Monster She Wrote, which we already mentioned, uh, The Woman Who Pioneered Horror and Speculative Fiction by Lisa Croker and Melanie R. Anderson. I have that one on my wish list. It's really good. Duly noted. Um, Thug Notes Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Crash Course, there are two parts to the Frankenstein and they're both great. I think part one's better than part two. Okay, that's fair. But yeah. from, from watching it, that is fair. But they're both... I just, I, so we didn't talk about this. I think we need to do a whole like mini episode about this as a authorial intent. So John Green really hates like autobiographical readings and I get it. He's an author that's alive and he writes a lot of books geared toward teenage girls. So he already has to be very, very careful about separating himself from his work. How the fuck ever. I do not think you can separate Mary Shelley from this book. No, you can't. I don't think there's I don't think you can. I I don't think Percy Shelley could have written this. I don't think. Byron could have written this. Claire Claremont sure as hell couldn't have written this. Well, not even from that angle. Like, I don't think that you can, knowing about her, the death of her child, or like that, all things that she saw, you cannot remove the bones of Mary Shelley from Frankenstein. You can't. So even as an author, I get resisting those biographical readings. But John Green's, like, inordinate hatred of it really turns me off in that second part of Crash Course 2. So... So definitely watch the first part. Yeah, the first part where it talks about it like as a synopsis is really, really good. I'm not going to say don't watch part two, but that really bothers me. And I get like, I get it. I get it. He's been trying to distance himself from his work forever because it always does read a little gross. If you're reading it from an adult perspective. Well, then he's a 40 year old man who yeah. writes teenage romance. Like, yeah, it's a little gross. I get it. Looking for Alaska just came out on Hulu and I can't watch it because that's the only book that I've ever finished and thrown across the room while crying. So I'm honestly going to say this. I don't like John Green as an author. Really? I like his stuff, but it. I have to be in a certain place to read it because otherwise yeah. it's like hysterics. I like him as a media critic for the most part, but like as an author, no. And I'm I'm completely in that camp of like, I think it's a little bit gross that you write teenage romance. I don't think that, like, he's a bad person for it, because there was that, like, Tumblr thing for a while, like, ooh, what if he's, like, gross? Like, no, I don't, I mean, I know he loves his wife, but, like, yeah, I do think it's a little bit icky that, like, that's the sandbox you want to hang out in. I I do think that, like, that's red flag on the field. <laughs> but not as many as, um... Oh my gosh, Edward Rochester? Yeah, definitely not that many. <laughs> Five flags on the field! Yeah, definitely not that um, many, but, like, yeah, I don't really like him as an author very much. Shocker. Um, their History Channel, back when they did history and not just aliens and Nazis. Um, what is the problem, though? I love it. Thank I'm, you. I'm not even mad. And Swamp People. I love Swamp People! I okay. hate Swamp People. Um, they had a really good thing on Mary Shelley. You can actually find it on YouTube for free. Um, or if you have, like, the History Channel app, you can watch it there. Yes. Uh, Mary Shelley from 2018 was really good. They took a lot of liberties, though, with how things came about. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that unless you've read a biography of Mary Shelley, you may be kind of like, why is that happening? Um, I'm that annoying person who stops it and goes, okay, looks at my husband and goes, so at this time period. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not even watching this with you. So there is one resource I'd like to add. Yeah. Uh, Dark Matters, Twisted But True did yes. a great episode on galvanism. And it's a little bit more, well, no, I think it's the appropriate amount of grotesque, but, uh, watch that is probably on YouTube. And Monstrum was really good, too. I, okay, Monstrum, we need to have a conversation. It feels like right before every episode we release, 
you do a video, and unfortunately, your videos are better than ours. So, I mean, we're trying. This is technically yeah. our first video. So, well, so, if you don't uh, count the phone one that died. Um, so, my wig is still on my head. You're not taking my wig, and I will not let you take my wig. But also, please marry me. Thank you. Also, we already discussed drunk history, which I'll try to put a little Oh, the drunk history is very good. So good. I think I sent so that to you, good. didn't I? Um, I w had watched it before. Yes, and I was like, just slide that Because in. Hulu is amazing, and so I just sit there and like put drunk history on How are you life. enjoying the Hulu Live? I love it. I love it so much. We and, share Hulu Live now. And then, like, I'm watching Paranormal caught on camera, and I'm like... Oh, Paranormal caught on camera. And half of it, I'm like, I don't really want to watch this aliens exist but then there's other times i'm like yeah make that haunted doll move and then oh god i was watching i ended up catching a it was like some of those were like travel ghost shows and it's like now we're gonna visit america's most haunted fort in san antonio i'm like no no apparently i think it's the alamo supposedly the most haunted wouldn't it be I, like san juan i think the alamo is just the most famous so yeah Jason's going to be mad at us for, like, away from the mics this whole time. Okay, I love look. you, Jason. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I love you too, Sensei, but look, this wig is very hot. We have no fans, except for this one, which can only do so much. Now I want the one that says Madame will do. Anyway. Um, November is our birthday month for the podcast. It is also what we have chosen to make it be is pain month. Um, we are picking the worst, the books that hurt us the most. We're, yes, we're, we're picking the books that made us want to throw them across the room. And, um, our first is my least favorite, mm -hmm. Ethan Frome by Edith Wharton. It's painful. It's awful. It might be one of the, underneath the George Takei internment camp musical, he made an internment camp musical. I didn't know it was a musical. He made an internment camp musical. It's. <laughs> I'm afraid. It uh, it might afraid. be one of the worst things. Ever. Knowing that it's George Takei, it's like okay, you get a very soft pass. <laughs> Kid, you get to go. Oh my! I I I wish I cared about it that much to even do that. Uh, so we're gonna read my least favorite book from high school. Uh, it was either that or a separate piece. <gasps> oh, I had a okay, okay. You know what? Tenth grade teacher made us read that. Gave everybody a failing grade on our first attempts at essays and said, I will teach you how to write an essay. And then I got an A and she kept mine. So should we each do a separate on like a secondary least favorite? Because I could do a whole other video on a separate piece and not make you have to read it again. It's just the, the leg break thing. Like what? Um, and the I mean, not gay gay. The not gay gay. What else do I hate other than... I mean, can I tell them what mine is? So, yeah. So, what um, out to the atmosphere and they'll hold us accountable. I hate a Scarlet Letter or the Scarlet Letter more than probably any book of all time. We're reading that one after. <sighs> so I have to think of another one now. Yeah, but there too. But okay, cool. November is Pain Month. Uh, if you'd like to send us gifts for our one year anniversary, I look forward to it. We've been we will as of November third been doing this for an entire calendar year. Which is a little frightening. Yeah, it is. It is. And here we are in wigs in a very, very hot room. Yes, it's this this is the library. It's really hot and I And I've been denied why. a fan. <clears throat> yes. Outside of the one that works with my own wrists. 
So, if you want to see us on social media, um, we're on Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook. Yes. Unfortunately RR on Twitter. 350 uh, freaking followers. Thank all of you. When we get to 500, we'll give something away. Unfortunately Required on Instagram. Come follow me. I put things up that are weird. Um, Including the Buddha. The Buddha Gouda. Should we tell the story of the Buddha Gouda? Yes. So I went to Whole Foods getting the unaged goat. Which we need to eat. I mean, we will. It's I'm weird so eating in front of the camera. It. Yeah. Um, and they had a Buddha Gouda, which was a uh, really, really orange Gouda with a black wax front. And it's like, ha that's not how Gouda is pronounced. It's how to... That, that, that pun only works if you pronounce the fucking cheese wrong. I get this message at 11 in the morning with that. And I'm like, all right. That's the kind of person I am. <laughs> Um, we also have our website, unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com, where yes. we link everything else. We sure do. Um, if you want to suggest a book or, you know, have a really funny story about your English class or just want to tell us that we're not bad, um, yeah. we're at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Now, please just read literally any book. Thank you. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I'm dead. Excuse me. Okay, these wigs are coming off. I also have to pee. <laughs>